Well, I wonder how you're getting on with Lent. How many of us here have uh, given up uh, chocolate for Lent? Quick, quick survey. Oh, not many. Uh, anyone here given up biscuits for Lent? One or two. Well done. Uh, I had this debate with uh, an alpha group uh, quite a few years ago um, when we were discussing whether Kit Kat was a chocolate or a biscuit. <laughs> it was Lent. So those of us who have given up chocolate, of course, thought it was a biscuit. And those of us who have given up biscuits, we said, well, it's chocolate, so it's okay. Anyway, I wonder how you're getting on with Lent. It's a time, really, of spiritual discipline, Lent, these weeks leading up to Easter Sunday. Originally, Lent was a time when uh, new converts... Uh, who are pagan converts, who uh, came into faith. They were prepared for uh, baptism on Easter Sunday. Uh, It went down so well that they actually began to apply Lenten practices to the whole church. So here we all are on this journey towards Easter Saturday, uh, looking at our discipleship and our walk with Christ, and perhaps in a disciplined way, engaging with fasting, some of us uh, in prayer and as well. So Lent is a time of challenge, and we're in the second week of Lent at the moment, I'm sure you're aware. So some of the scriptures that we are directed to in Lent, and this is a set scripture for today, um, are challenging scriptures. They challenge our discipleship. And the first Sunday of Lent... Last Sunday, uh, if you were here, it was the temptations. Jesus in the desert. What does that mean for us? Um, Next Sunday, uh, and I shall look forward to listening to Patrick's sermon on this. I note he's preaching, uh, is repent or perish. And it's the passage uh, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with sacrifices, 18 who were killed when the tire... Tower of Siloam fell on them, and the withered fig tree. So good luck with that one, Patrick. (laughs) But I do know that (laughs) Richard very kindly gave me this topic for today, which is a challenging scripture. Thank you, Richard, for that. Uh, Archdeacons are invited to such occasions quite frequently. So, we are actually, if you'd like to take that passage in front of you, there will be some words of Scripture that go on the screen from the passage as well. We are in Luke's Gospel, and I'm going to read to you a passage from the reading this morning, set for today. It's a reading that, just to set the scene, takes us to uh, a lament a lament. Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, Your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus laments over Jerusalem uh, three times, actually. Here in uh, Luke chapter 13, and then a little later on in Luke 19, as he approaches Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, he's going down. Some of you, if you've been to uh, the Holy Land, may have actually stopped at the very place where Jerusalem opens up uh, before you and where Jesus lamented over Jerusalem again. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, Jerusalem, if you had only known what would have brought you peace. And then a third time, Jesus laments with the same words that we have had read from Luke today, uh, recorded by Matthew, this time in the context of being in the temple precincts itself, where he preaches again, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. What we learn through this is that Jesus' heart is breaking. His heart is breaking. In the passage in Luke 19, we're told that Jesus wept over the city. This wasn't just crying. If you explore the word, it means sobbing. It means his heart went out with moans and groans. Jesus laments. This Lent, we are invited as a diocese. Um, I'm not sure whether you know this. Um, maybe we've got a, a picture up on the screen. Yeah, there we go. Um, and we're invited as a diocese to become more prayerful, confident disciples with a particular Lent challenge. Now, I was at Ashton last week, and I had to dig around at the back of the church to find these leaflets. There should be some leaflets. I know they'll be on full display at the back there. Patrick's shaking his head. Um, from the diocese. Anyway, I shall try and dig them out at coffee time. Um, some leaflets that explain what's happening across the diocese. You don't actually need the leaflet to actually participate. It's really a challenge for us to grow in our discipleship, to be prayerful, confident disciples of Jesus Christ during this period of Lent. And every day, you can subscribe through the diocesan website to a little, if you like, meditation or prayer that will come from one of the team at Church House. So we had the Bishop of Dorking this last week. We've got my colleague, uh, Paul Davis, every day this week. There'll be a little thought for the day uh, that will come to your mobile device or to your computer if you subscribe with your email. And then it's the Bishop of Guildford, and then it's the Dean of Guildford, uh, and then the last week, um, it's me focusing on one particular week in the life of Jesus, the last week, Holy Week. I really would uh, encourage you to perhaps 
go on the Guildford website or find this leaflet somewhere and take part in this journey, this Lent challenge, as we've called it, a Lent challenge that is asking us to grow in our discipleship. So this morning, what I want to do is challenge you to grow in your discipleship during Lent. What does it mean for us to transform Lent in terms of our walk with Jesus Christ? And what might this lament of Jesus be saying to us? So three Lenten challenges I'd like to put your way. But I first of all wanted to ask you whether you might well be able to guess what might be the most popular song that is played or track on a CD at funerals these days. Now, I've taken quite a few funerals over the years, and I'd probably say the last 10 years um, at crematoriums and churches, we've been asked to play all sorts of music. Can you play this track or the other track? And uh, actually went on the web to find out what the top five tracks played at those services were. It's a bit of a sad thing to do, I know, but you know, past the time of day. Um, and the, I'll give you the top five. The fifth one was The Lord is My Shepherd, um, and it's the version uh, that was on Vicar of Dibley, that's what they say. So, you know, that's the one that uh, is number five. Number four is Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. Anyone know that track? Um, number three is Over the Rainbow, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yep, that's uh, by Eva Cassidy. Uh, number two was Time to Say Goodbye by Sarah Brightman and uh, Andrea Pacelli. And you can guess what number one was. My Way. My Way. My Way was number one. But what a song to choose. And now the end is near. No, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. (laughs) But you know the words, and the words go through, I did it my way, but more than this, I did it my way. I did it my way. It is actually quite a sad, self-centered song for such an occasion. I did it my way. And the last verse goes into, you know, something about spitting it out and all sorts of things. You probably, you have to look at the the lyrics later on. I did it my way. I was thinking about this when I was writing my contribution for the week in Transforming Lent. Because I was focusing in Holy Week on the disciples and trying to learn from them and reflect on how they encountered the shadow of the cross. And I went through all the different characters for the readings set for the week. There was Mary, I looked at Joseph of Arimathea, Peter, and then I came across Judas. And I was really fascinated by Judas. And I've done a reflection on him. You'll have to wait until that week comes up and that day comes up. I think it's day three of Holy Week. What was going on 
with Judas. At the Last Supper, which is the passage for Holy Week, Judas is in conflict. You can tell which one's Judas uh, there. He's the only one without a halo over his head. Can you see on the far right-hand side, getting ready to sneak away. But what was going on with Judas? Jesus confronts Judas with a terrible truth about a choice that Judas has to make. What you are going to do, do it quickly. And Judas disappears into the night. He pursues his way, not the Lord's. And it ends in tragedy. What was Judas's way? What was on his agenda? Well, some say it was the money. I'm not sure. I think that Judas had been a disciple of Jesus Christ for three years. He'd been following the Lord, hoping and praying that Jesus would be the kind of Lord that he wanted him to be. But somehow, it hadn't worked out. It hadn't worked out the way he wanted it to go. God's way was different to his way. And so Judas disappeared off into the shadows. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. Jerusalem was not going God's way. They were to even kill the Christ. Prophets were stoned and murdered. Jesus wept over the city going a different way. There's an obstinacy, I believe, and a stubbornness in all of us as we are faced daily with our way or God's way. My way is a kind of way of selfishness and an irresistible urge to impose our agendas, our plans, and our purposes for our lives over God's. So instead of welcoming our Savior as Jerusalem was invited to, we turn our backs. Verse 35 in our passage says, look, your house is left to you desolate. Brothers and sisters, if Lent does nothing else, it calls us to repent of our sin, of going our way 
and calls us to go God's way. The second challenge I really want to bring to you lies in that lovely picture that Jesus uh, painted for us in the scriptures of the hen gathering the chicks. That was the best one I could find. Uh, Fiona loves chickens. She's been looking after chickens for years. But uh, never, we never hatched any, any eggs. One day we will uh, get, we'll have some eggs that will hatch. We eat the eggs because uh, we've only got chickens and we haven't got uh, cockerels. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, but anyway, you like that picture, Fiona? It's a really lovely picture, that one. Yeah, best one I could find. Um, but Jesus says this. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. A beautiful picture, a tender picture of protection and love painted for, by Jesus for Jerusalem for those who would hear. Tom Wright, many of you will know Tom Wright, uh, takes this picture perhaps uh, to its extreme. He sees a messianic uh, picture here of, uh, of a hen in a barnyard where there is perhaps some kind of certain death. There's a barnyard fire. He sees this in the, in the, in the picture Jesus paints. And he goes to the extreme and says, well, actually, a mother hen would even gather her chicks under her whilst the fire raged and would give her life so that when the fire subsided, the chicks could emerge even though she herself would not have survived. That may be stretching the image somewhat, but what isn't stretched is the frustration of Jesus at the mother love that he is offering that is being summarily rejected by Jerusalem. I have longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. Jesus is desperate to love us. The city turned its back on the Lord. This is about the prodigal who doesn't come to their senses, who doesn't go back home, who doesn't respond to a loving parent. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Lent calls us back to that sacrificial love of Christ that pursues us This is a love for those of us who feel unlovely. This is a love that never gives up. This is a love that goes all the way 
to the cross. This Lent, turn to that love that pursues you, however you feel, whoever you are, whether you feel unlovely or unworthy. The third challenge in the lament here is about following the Lord all the way. Following Christ all the way. You know, the saddest story for me in the Gospels is of the rich young man who comes to Jesus uh, and is full of beans, full of life. He's come to the Lord and he wants to follow Christ. Here is the picture of a confident disciple of Jesus Christ in the making. And what happens? You know the scripture well. Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's what Mark says in Mark 10. Jesus looked at this young man and he loved him. But what happened next was a tragedy. For Jesus challenged him. He challenged him at that place where he knew it would cost him the most. Would you be prepared to give all that you had and come and follow me? And the young man turned his back on the Lord and went away saddened. It was too much, too costly. He couldn't do it. Jesus loved him, but he couldn't do it. He could have been another Peter, another James, another John, but we never hear of him ever again. The cost is too great. You know, there's a kind of relentlessness, a determination, a steeliness in the Lord as he goes towards Jerusalem, as he makes the journey to the cross. This is what our scripture passage says for us from Luke talking about Herod, he replied, go tell that fox, I will drive out demons, I will heal people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going and tomorrow and the next day, I will reach my goal. I must keep going. And you know, the Lord calls you to go with him. The Lord calls you to be relentless, to be persistent, to not give up, to be determined to walk with him, unlike the rich young man. You have a choice to do that. 
even today. So, brothers and sisters, thank you for calling me uh, today to come and preach on this passage. I have struggled with it and wrestled with it. But I believe the Lord would challenge you and challenge me today to take up our cross and to follow Him.